Parry Talks Will RSK <coughs> It's a big guess It's my first I don't know Super proud of it Seeing this man I saw his first Sydney show It's almost like Destiny So we're at this pub The Little Gladstone Hotel I also write for Purple Sneakers now And Will RSK's first Sydney show Was at a Purple Sneakers party yeah. Pretty sure I wasn't even 18 yet True But we were here And I saw it happen Yeah How are you brother? I'm good Thanks for having me No worries at all um, just come back from Europe, a big European sojourn yes. with Rufus, and then played solo shows in America. Yeah, how's Europe? What does Europe do for your, you know, your career span? Like, does it put things into perspective? Does it make it feel really real? Yeah, I think it's nice because I'm playing a lot of unreleased stuff, and a lot of obviously most of them are Rufus fans. So I'm playing music to most people don't really know who I am. So it's like the most unfiltered reaction that you can get to unreleased music you know what I mean like so playing like AD specifically was was like a big highlight like it was like 2,000 people in a warehouse and I was just playing like I, it was just before 5 o'clock came out my yeah. new single and it was just like <clears throat> came in never played it before bass came in like all phones came up and lost it and just like that, I love that because you know there's no no opinions like people don't come in with any you yeah. know any idea of what to expect yeah so yeah that was pretty wild I think in that sense people underestimate the value of a support sometimes artists do because it is the most unfiltered way to present your music to people who have no idea who you are without like a you know preconceived like conceptual of like what a Will RSK might be like set might be like yeah so I think that a lot of artists are just like support slots like they just get the bag and go yeah 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 but like there's a lot of value in that especially for newer tunes totally and I suppose you're like you're testing music in a space that's not specifically for you know like Rufus said more vocal led stuff and more I don't know like a lot of sing-along moments whereas Mm -hmm. mine's completely instrumental so it's like it's interesting to just push instrumental ideas on that crowd and just like gauge your reaction well let's let's touch on that so there's not like feature wise let's just get straight into it the, yeah. you haven't had a lot of collaboration as of yet you've no. kept it very yeah. solo yeah. is that something you see yourself expanding in or is there comfort no I've got like I've thing. got like a lot of the stuff I've been doing lately is more collaboration so I've got a project coming probably March next year and there'll be two features on it actually yeah. my next thing, my next single has a feature on it but it's, it's not what you'd expect I think the thing was like I didn't want to come out with you know I'd released Alchemy and after I released Alchemy it was like I didn't release another song for nine months mm-hmm. so it was like I don't know I was in this weird state of like it got added to the radio I had no expectation of any of my songs getting on the radio and I was working full time at the time so imagine I'm driving around in my like work here through yeah. northern New South Wales Alchemy comes on and it wasn't even enjoyable it was more just like anxiety Holy inducing yeah. like fuck I yeah. can make like some like radio songs now like, yeah. Ah. yeah. But then after I just like got through Dow Nights and then ended up just like following through um, with the whole project being instrumental and it kind of came a lot from the live show. So I was mm. playing a lot of live shows and then playing unreleased music and then going back and refining and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then, yeah, I, I suppose once I started doing this full, full time, I started just like dabbling in collaboration and then I just found you can just enter a whole new territory of collaboration, yeah. you know, because like with me now, I make music full time. Mm. So it's like, if I'm not collaborating I'm yeah, you're not talking to I'm anyone yeah. I'm a solo artist it's like I could go a few days without human contact yeah. and that's like it's really weird after a while you know what I mean so yeah it's I've been loving collaborating lately um, a lot of more of the future stuff we'll have like a really club EP I don't even know if I can talk about this year but yeah club EP next year which is like just don't say any names yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, and they're all Australian too, which I'm which I'm pretty pretty happy with. Like, yeah, I've seen some teasers. I'm not going to ruin it for yeah. anyone, but yeah. it's sounding fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, wow. Collaboration is, I think, there's value in your back catalogue not having a lot of collaboration, so that if a fan of one of your future features mm. or something like that, it's like, oh, who is this bloke? Yeah, and then digs back, it's like, hang on, there's a very serious back catalogue here of yeah. like hard solo work, and there's yeah. like value in that. Yeah, and it's probably the easiest way to get you know new fans to actually jump on board and hold on yeah. otherwise if it's just like oh he's got like six singles and they've all got big features on them yeah. it's like where's yeah. the value in this going forward yeah totally and that's why I didn't want to go into it straight away because I think I don't know the, the expectation would be that it'll be I don't know like the first Willow's Kate song with a feature will sound like the hands remix I did or 
the roof is streaming or something mm. like that. Yeah, exactly. But it's like the furthest thing from that. Yeah. The, the first one that's coming out, which is I'm like I wanted to initiate it that way. Yeah. Which I, I like working with vocals. It was good to do it through remixes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I'm glad that I just established what the project was before diving into that world. Yeah, and chopping up. And so people know your sound now. So if people hear yeah. the features, they'll be like, oh, like I can tell that that's the Valaris K influence. Or yeah. if you do a feature for someone else, it's like, oh, I can see where he's melded his sound in here. Yeah, so we're yeah. just being like, the fuck's going on? Totally. And that's why, that's why I'm keen now to like write for other people because I don't know it's just writing the same shit like writing my stuff all the time is just yeah. it becomes not fun you know what I mean like yeah. I get inspired by working on like I don't know like some film stuff or mm. like some rap stuff or like mm-hmm. you know what I mean and then it just like gives you a whole new perspective to go back into the worst yeah. K project but just working on that all the time it's pretty pretty draining yeah also on that so you put out 5 o'clock past life yeah not like obviously different to the, out, the EP album before yeah. but like what did that bring to the table that do you think Alchemy didn't um, well basically what happened was I I started 5 o'clock just as I was leaving work as an electrician so it was it was March 2017 and at the time I was doing these like piano lessons where in the early I started piano lessons in 2015 because I basically was just I, I was making music but it was just shit like melodically just yeah. no substance or like it, I don't know it just wasn't connecting a lot of the music I was listening to was very melodic heavy and like like the Shlomo record and yeah. John Hopkins stuff and CK all that um, like I was just finding that I don't know to, to actually kick it into that level of the music that I was looking up towards mm-hmm. which is like, I'm just going to have to start music theory yeah. so I started these piano lessons and then eventually once I kind of found my feet I'd usually just go in there with a rough idea or you know or just like basic chord progression and then my piano yeah. teacher would help me expand on it yeah. so I wrote the intro chords when I was leaving work it was probably a week before I'd like left my job as an electrician I was there for like six years Jeez. so I, and then when I started um, doing it full time I, I basically most of Alchemy was written I was still just playing a lot of shows and just refining them but I just went into it just wanting to see where I could take the project like <clears throat> rather because most of Alchemy it's dark yeah, it's all four four pretty much, other than Rim yeah. Song, and <clears throat> so I just wanted, yeah, I was pretty much just wanted to explore, and then I just found the more like all the new stuff that I was writing, it was sounding much brighter, and I suppose yeah. that probably had something to do with it. I was I went from having very minimal time to write music, which I think that's where I don't know the darker themes of Alchemy come from because there's like frustration, yeah. like I had no time to make music, songs on the radio, I was just like, Fuck, yeah, what yeah. doing, yeah, and then the, when I started doing music full time. I don't know, it felt like a release and mm. that's what five o'clock feels like that to yeah. me. So I suppose it's a combination of me trying to explore where I can take the project. Exactly. And yeah, like just a reflection of the time I suppose, like feels like more free and like brighter and yeah. Uh, yeah. nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Less fucking yeah. Dream. Um well past love as well, no drums. Yeah. Um obviously like the lineups you're on and the people's that you know, people would associate yourself as being your peers. Mm. Is it like, is there an expectation for you to make just fucking like club songs or festival songs? Yeah. Is it hard to just like string it back and just like, I just want to make like a big electronica song or something like that? Well, that's why, I don't know. I think all I want to do really is not like with everything that follows, just do what people don't expect me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I write a lot of club stuff. Yeah. Like most of the live show is, I like write just yeah, straight exactly. up techno things, but or like just, yeah, just club stuff. But that I, I am I don't know like I find it um, I don't know more I don't know like inspiring to be able to like obviously do the club stuff and I can look at that from the club context yeah. but then also trying to take past light or like an ambient piece into that setting and yeah. then see like I don't know just like because to me they feel the same like 5 mm-hmm. o'clock and past light have the same energy except yeah. Past Light just doesn't have any drums on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sonically, they're super similar. They make sense together, and they made sense that they did come out together, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Wait, let's just take it back, because we're fucking just... <laughs> straight, going straight, straight in. So, where did it begin? You talk about a lot about full-time work. Yeah. When was your, like, first... Not musical awakening, mm-hmm. but, like, when did you... Maybe, like, an early memory of just, like, music, hang on, might sort of be the thing for me? Honestly, not until... Um, 
I, the th- I think the, the beauty of it all was that, like I never had any expectation that I was going to do it as a job. It was always just this hobby. So basically yeah. what I was doing was I was a resident DJ in Brisbane at TVC Club for like four years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually before that I used to DJ in like Cool and Gutter and I'd be copping like R&B requests and shit. Like, just, just like just played the worst gig you could imagine. Um, but I suppose growing up there was like a lot of music in my house. Like my dad was in bands and... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I just thought I was just listening to what everyone else was listening yeah. to, but I've realised later in life like how much that had on, like an influence on me. But, I don't know, the first time I thought, okay, this is on, was really when I got booked for, like, my first show in Europe, like, Forbidden yeah. Fruit. Because like, what happened was, I was, I had my whole apprenticeship, which was, like, electrical yeah. instrument apprenticeship, was... I was. I told my boss the whole time, like, as soon as I finish my apprenticeship, I'm going on 12 months leave without pay, mm-hmm. and I'm just going like traveling around Europe. In that time, I would, I would be writing music like in the afternoons and then DJing on the weekends, and I just had this schedule. But it was yeah. never like I'm working towards this. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm trying to make it. Just, not yeah. at all. It was just like, really, I was just trying to make shit to show my yeah. friends. Um, and then, uh, I put out. Um, I put out Alchemy on. No, I was DJing at TVC, and then Drew Carey was playing mm-hmm. I just made Alchemy came through yeah. and I was like pretty honest so I'm confident like going in yeah. hey man made this song like I don't think anyone in Australia will fuck with it um, what do you think I should do just gives him a full hard drive <laughs> yeah he's like just, the funny thing was like, I, I genuinely didn't think like people would get around it yeah. and um, and then he's like oh send it to me I'm like sweet yeah and then I sent it to him he's like yeah this is sick and then I saw a few months later he got like the Triple J mix up resonance yeah. and hit him up like congrats man hoping he'd be like yeah send me that track yeah and James, I was like oh how would you feel about you know playing Alchemy no one's heard it yeah and he's like send it over he ended up opening his mix with it wow and the funny thing was that was that was 2016 um, and I flew me and like three of the mates we flew down to, for Volumes Festival mm. so I was at Volumes and I walked out the front of Oxford Arts and like the mix came on and wow. like it's on at 9 o'clock so I'm standing out the front of Oxford Arts <laughs> like Louis McCurdy's introducing it like this is Joe Carey like the alchemy court yeah. starting I was flipping out like absolutely just like with yeah. crowd around my home my like my phone like cupping the yeah. speaker all my mates were like screaming like, fuck <laughs> this is it this is like that's when you knew yeah yeah oh, oh, no when you knew that's when well, that, that was when I don't know I was like okay maybe this is this could be there's some potential yeah. here um, and then and then I put it up on Unearthed and no one, no one touched it. And then a few days later at work. So what I used to do, I worked on the like New South Wales, Queensland border. Yeah. So a lot of my job was just like maintenance. So it was like, I was on a HV substation, just a lot of it was computer control, like PLC stuff. And then there's like, I would, I would go out into the, into the bush to check on the cable that connected the two states together. So anyway, I was at, on site, like I had some contractors coming in or something. And then I get this message on the Wurrus K Facebook from this random Facebook name. It was Lou McCurdy's like private <laughs> Facebook. And he's like, Hey man, I heard your song on um on the on Triple J on Saturday night. Can you send me over a master? And that was another moment. Yeah. Like, hey, so many moments at the start it was just like that shit would come through and I'd be pacing around like yeah. fuck. That's the thing as well, when you're like when there's a there's a beauty and like an urgency to everything. Yeah. So if someone like hits you up, it's like straight away. It's like fuck, I need to get this done. Like I gotta get the master to him straight away. Like yeah, no yeah. fucking around. Like yeah. following up on emails like every half an hour. Like, what the really, fuck's going really, on? Really, I was at work. And then when you're writing in that space as well, there's a beauty in it as well because it's yeah. like there's an urgency in your writing. It's not like oh, I just you know just be patient with it. It's like I need to get fucking tracks out. Yeah, I need to yeah. work hard. And there's a beauty in that as well because like it's raw as fuck. Yeah. Whereas if you're working on tracks metic- meticulously for like six and a half months, like it's like, they're sick, don't get me wrong, and they're probably better that way in the mm. long run. But in terms of like raw energy and like initial emotion, yeah. there's well, a beauty it's in easy, that. It's easy to overproduce shit. Yeah. But that like, on that, so when I first put out Alchemy and then Louis played it, and then my manager now, Adrian, heard it the first time that they played it and he was working um, for Mushroom and he just heard it come through his laptop speakers. <laughs> And then he hits me up with this email, and I'm at work. His extensive email, like, remind yeah. me this, this, and this. And then he d- took it down off Unearth, and then got Melody Folgani on board for PR, and then put it up in January. And then they added it, and then I had no expectation at all. But, like, what you were just saying, I told my manager, because I DJ, my background was DJing. Mm. I told my manager, like, 
for the first couple of years I'm just going to DJ for the project like I don't want to play live yet yeah. and then I was at work like a f- couple of weeks after they um, Triple J added it and then he was like oh you just booked your first live show in five weeks <laughs> I was like I'm serious I got one song I had literally have one finished song and it was five weeks away and I was still working full time yeah so that was that like exactly we're talking about the urgency so that yeah. was like in that five weeks I wrote like started Catchphrase Perpetual Love and Risen and like I don't know if anyone from work is listening but there was there was some time some downtime at work where I'd be sitting in my youth in the air kind of just giving a bit of a touch up <laughs> there's actually a sample in Perpetual Love in like the breakdown at the end and it sounds like you can hear like a car going past and I was sitting in Mullumbimby Main Street like outside the library working on it and I was like oh shit I need to go to the toilet so I like I was about to get out and then I heard like family walk past and a car go past I'm like fuck that sounds pretty cool <laughs> so I just like set up my like laptop microphone and started recording yeah. just like quietly you can hear me taking my seatbelt quietly shut the door went to the toilet came back stopped recording and that's in the breakdown you can hear like car go past that's, awesome. that's why we leave the window open here yeah. that's why we've got a fully fucking full studio here <laughs> yeah love we, we love atmosphere mate oh yeah ambiance that's so then so when when was the point where it's like music full time mm. is for me how did you make that decision when in that it was just kind of it just came about one day my um my boss rang me Stuart and what like the job I had the electrical job was fucking amazing like yeah. I it was just dream job like paid well I knew the job in and out because I was there for five years so I did my mm. whole apprenticeship there um but the plan was <clears throat> I would leave March or April 2017 <clears throat> I was meant to go on the trip over to Europe and then Alchemy came out and then these bookings started coming through and I was like my ex-girlfriend I was like it just the more the days when I was thinking like oh, I'm going to be throwing away an opportunity if I go over to Europe like because I was yeah. planning on putting it out like, see you later maybe come back keep, yeah. keep making music and then all these offers started coming in yeah. so I cancelled the whole trip and I had like the flights booked Airbnbs Shit. booked and all that and then so I cancelled it and then moved into my house so this is the Europe trip that you said you're going to go just go unpaid in, unpaid for a yeah, year just, yeah, yeah so this is the thing yeah. I had planned the whole yeah, yeah. apprenticeship which yeah. was just like a blessing I don't know it's just weird I think in that case like things happen for a reason I just because yeah. I, I could, if it took off I couldn't have said to them hey can I take 11 months yeah. off they'd be like no way but I'd just initiated that chat yeah. the whole time through my apprenticeship I'm going to yeah. leave and then I'll come back and yeah. they're like cool no worries do your yeah. thing and then I left and had like maybe a month annual leave and then the rest was leave without pay and I just started writing music full time and then I was meant to go back March 2018 and then my manager uh, my manager at APA like work rang me it's like hey mate um hey Charles wondering when you come back and I was like oh I've just been booked for Forbidden Fruit in Dublin yeah and I was like oh if I come back it'll be part time like I've just been booked for this show in Europe and he's yeah. like well HR have said if you come back it's either like full time or not at all and I'm like alright that's it <laughs> yeah thanks for coming yeah no, yeah that was the end of it it was probably like October 2017 was it were you shit scared or was it like was there a comfort well, I in was, it? Like, like, I, I was very conservative with the decision like I don't know it wasn't a jump into the deep end type thing it was like I'd had you know in a way kind of but I had you know I'd done a fair few festivals that year and then I had like the shows in Europe booked for 2018 mm-hmm. and then we were planning my first headline shows for the following year so not as much like it wasn't like if, it, if I'd put out Alchemy and hadn't initiated that chat yeah and just had to make the split decision like I'm quitting today yeah. and I can't come back then it would have been much more stressful but, but it's I well had, thought out know, process yeah well it just kind of happened you know yeah. like I didn't I, was, I, I literally was planning on putting out alchemy going over to Europe and go oh yeah maybe I'll come back and yeah. keep making music you know <laughs> well I was planning on going to Europe and then just using it as a bit of a writing trip yeah. type thing for a year yeah yeah 11 months so wait where does the where does I'm just trying to get the time on right and then when does the Oxford Art Factory Sydney show come from there how long ago was after was that? Was that during so that year? That was, or was that no? So that was so 2017. I just did festivals. Yeah, it was kind of weird playing. I played like a bunch of festivals just with Alchemy out, mm. and I'd be playing all my release shit, and yeah. I'd have dudes in the front row like, "Buy Alchemy!" <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so like, oh. um, but so that, yeah, most of 2017 was festivals, and then we planned the first headline tour was May 2018. Mm. And that kind of came out of nowhere. We're like, we only announced it a month out. Yeah. And we really had no idea how it would go. So 
And I was like stressed, and I was like, oh, I hope we sell out Red Rattler. Like, I hope we, yeah. you know, sell out North. I remember Central. that because I work really closely with Arthur from Finder Things. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And like, just like that process, like, I just saw the event change location. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. And then another tool. Anyway, you tell, like, yeah, you go on. Yeah, well, we, I, I really had no idea mm. at all how, you know, how many tickets I would be able to sell anywhere because I'd only ever done, I'd only ever done festivals. Yeah. So we just went in and kind of did 300 cap venues pretty much all around Australia and then we announced it a week out and then I remember I was doing something and then we announced it in the morning and then like it was like two or something Adrian rang me and was like yeah so I upgraded to Oxford Arts I'm like what do you mean he's like Red Rattler sold out Jesus I was like fuck we, we had a month month like before mm. the show and I was like yeah we'll, we'll slowly get there yeah. over the month and then I upgraded it and then I think it was like two days later or something Oxford Arts sold out I was like what I had really no expectation. Yeah. So that's what I love. Like there was never any expectation over the project. So everything's yeah. been, you know, yeah, it's just a surprise. Been you take whatever you get. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then, yeah, upgraded again. And Adrian was like, we want to do two. And I was like, no, nah. I was so against doing two. Cause I didn't want to, you know, I was happy to do one. We can always expand yeah. later on. And we're like, no, nah, we're doing it. Yeah. Like, so we locked it in and then, and then like the second one ended up selling out. And those shows were just so wild. Like, yeah. And it was just, it was cool. I'm glad we did like the late, the late slot it was just funny so many things went wrong like music stopped music stopped at every show on that tour <laughs> just from like fucking like like at the Oxford Art Show this one of my tracks Tunnel Call it's an unreleased one the low end just rumbled out the USB yeah. out of my <laughs> interface so the music just fucking <laughs> wow yeah it happens though yeah and people find beauty in those moments though yeah. Like whenever the sound cuts, everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck yeah. it!" Like everyone, everyone goes, so "People love it." Yeah, yeah. they're backing it. I, I, yeah, it was. Yeah, I look back like very fondly at those shows. It was just like fucking raw and yeah. just yeah, just had no idea what to expect, and they ended up just being like so intense. Yeah. Well, do you think they're your most iconic shows, or um, do you think in Australia, let's say in Australia, in terms hard, of headline or? Because that Metro show was fucking so special. Probably, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, probably the Metro show, just because of how many people were there. Yeah. Like the We had the dancers for the first time, and the lighting had kicked up a gear. It was the first time I'd played a 90-minute set as well. Yeah. So it was just, like, a lot of unreleased shit, and people were all about it. Yeah. So that I think the, the Alchemy tour in October last year was yeah. a big highlight. Like, we did a few corner hotels, and they were insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and same, same Triffin in Brisbane as well. Yeah. Like, that was... Um, like, cause I'd, I'd sort of come from DJing in Brisbane and then played my first, my first headline show was at TBC where I was a resident. And the yeah. next one on the Alchemy tour was at the Triffid, which yeah. I didn't expect. And like the sound there is amazing. And yeah, I, I think it's hard to pick one specifically, but yeah, that whole Alchemy tour was, was the highlight so yeah. far. So there's obviously a big background in DJing mm. and stuff. What's the, tra- like, what's the transition like going from the DJ set to the live set skill wise? Do you think? Is um, it was it difficult for you, or was um, it just like these songs don't deserve a DJ set that deserve something more? And I'm just I, I realized like I'm I'm glad I'm glad later on that Adrian, my manager, um, pushed me into doing live because it really it pretty much is what helped Alchemy become what it is because I was just like trialing these these songs every night like well, a lot of Alchemy like the arrangement on most of the tracks used to be so different mm-hmm. but I was able to refine it just through like reaction because yeah. when you're on stage playing something that people haven't heard and there's a flat spot like you can feel it on stage yeah. you know what I mean but I suppose the difference it's kind of it's I, I, I love being able to play a full set yeah. of my music and my music is hard to put in the context of a DJ yeah. set amongst club tracks you know yeah. what I mean like it's the, the arrangements usually yeah. just a bit fucking weird like starts with piano but amongst like um, in my live set it all makes yeah, sense exactly. as like one you know big piece but um yeah I, I think the from, from a performance standpoint it's pretty similar like I, I th- I'm thankful that I was able to be a resident for so yeah. long because that kind of gave me some sort of I don't know confidence in yeah. in performing I suppose yeah do you, yeah. Do you miss DJing though and just playing other yeah. people's fucking just club tracks and yeah, just yeah. not I still, worrying I still, about I still, it I still yeah. DJ here and there but yeah big time like it, it's so different yeah. It, yeah but um yeah I don't know I, I definitely am glad I moved into to live like in, in the early days it was 
pretty daunting to play just yeah. like especially uh, like a lot of music people haven't heard because it's not mm. the usual thing it's not know? yeah it's not well it's we'll talk about it a bit later but it was like it's like it's half clubby so it's half like you know what people would expect from a big techno set from a DJ mm. but then it also taps into like the indie electronic sound as well so it's like that meld of two worlds and a lot of people don't expect it because like if you're at days like this or at Lost Paradise yeah whatever as well people yeah. don't expect like a traditional like people just expect you know Bangin'. yeah yeah whereas there's always that middle ground that obviously gives you the edge in the end of the day yeah yeah well i think um but saying that like i've still written a lot of things that are just straight club tracks yeah, exactly. that just haven't come out so I, it's kind of like i don't uh like i don't think i could do a full set of tracks like five o'clock or yeah. alchemy or something like that where the ra- arrangements all yeah. over the place because those songs only really do well one like i don't know the response once they're out makes a lot more sense yeah. but like for example before down nights came out every time i played that people were confused because it'd be this weird intro and then it'd yeah. come in so hard <laughs> and they'd be like oh fuck we're supposed to on? dance yeah. now <laughs> and then once it came out it was the moment like people would be yeah people like, would know yeah had to tee off yeah but um yeah so i like having I love club tracks, but yeah, I think that's what set, I don't know, the project apart from mm. just me just DJing. Because yeah. that was my intention, just to make whatever, but then just DJ, DJ and then just side, like yeah. kind of, you know, just mix my shit amongst, yeah. you know, whatever Everyone I was else into, is. yeah. What, are, what are, do you think those DJ sets, what skills do you think you learnt in those DJ sets that are still reflective in, like, important to you as you play now live, though? Um, arranging the live set 100%, like and making mixes and stuff yeah um, that, that's the biggest one and and also like arrangement okay yeah. it's kind of like a subconscious thing when you're DJing you're kind of just like picking up on arrangement I think yeah. that's had a big influence on my writing um, yeah yeah that's the main one especially with production like that's a yeah. big one I've taken from DJing into writing music like I don't know just being in that club environment and yeah. you know having to read the crowd and I don't know just, I don't know, find, find the right right tracks for the right moments. But I think with the live show, definitely just being confident being on stage. Because yeah. when I first started DJing in like 2013, I was DJing upstairs at this club, um, it used to be called Neverland in Coolangatta, and there was literally no one in the room. And I was trying to DJ and I was shaking. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like yeah. So that was definitely the main one. Like By the time it came to playing, I was more just excited yeah. rather than overthinking it yeah yeah good then yeah well, we spoke about the live show let's just dig into it the dances yeah where did that idea come from how did that come about how how hard logistically is that to fucking put together um lost paradise would be in the valley last year was pretty intense you had yeah. to like hire a bus and drive them down and drive them back but how it initially happened was sorry who choreographed the whole thing um i just got tagged in something on instagram it was like help me I'm like it was just like a, a like dance, a dance studio yeah, yeah. A dance studio did a full dance alchemy I'm like fuck this is awesome <laughs> so I just hit up um, I think I just hit up Sari and was like do you, and spoke to my manager like do you want to do it on stage with me and just kind of like threw the yeah. idea out there and then yeah it was honestly it was I, I don't take a lot of credit for it like Sari who, who choreographed it all like she yeah. she um, really led the charge so I suppose it started with just alchemy and then we expanded it so it went alchemy into down nights because that's how I used to close the show mm-hmm. um, and then it expanded from that into a ballet piece in River Song where it was like two of them came out yeah. and then it evolved into catchphrase as well when they came out on the intro and then it ended up being like three pieces throughout yeah. the whole set with different outfits throughout the whole thing but yeah it just kind of just got t- basically got tagged in something on Instagram I was like do you want to jump on the stage with me and do it and they were down some of the best stuff comes organically like that though if it's too calculated yeah it's like fuck it yeah but when there's there's beauty in that just like this is cool let's make it work yeah totally it was just yeah and the metro show was the first time we tried it and it was like we'd never even rehearsed that together so that is so it was come on stage during alchemy do the dance you performed Um, was that like how it was um like i'd sent them my live set yeah and like the intro was catchphrase and they'd come out and they 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 did a piece of that and then two of them came out in river song 
and then yeah the finale was like the alchemy into down ice thing but it was about, yeah we'd never done it before like at sound check i'd when I was doing sound check, they were doing their yeah. check, and that was that was as far as it went. And was that the first time you saw it, like, like it was the at the sound check? Seen it. Yeah, so it was like, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I, You're catching it all with us. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, obviously, there's a lot of like emotion in the music, obviously, and it's a sort of an untapped market in the electronic dance world. Mm. I think right now in our Australian scene, there's just a lot of fucking doof. Bang. Which like I love, yeah. don't get me wrong. Me too. But like, there's an edge on that emotional side and that eerie side. Do you think about that when you write the tunes? No. Or is it just like this is my like I'm just gonna reflect whatever I feel and whatever happens I just, happens. Right. I just I don't think like when I start thinking about it too much, it sounds shit, and it sounds like I'm thinking about it too much. So yeah. a lot of it's just I just write whatever comes out, and I think the main thing is it's, I'm not going and being like I'm gonna make some emotion yeah. shit. Like sometimes I like I'm like. There's parts of the live show where it's just straight banging yes, stuff. That's always. Um, I think with a lot of alchemy, the reason there is that kind of extreme emotion is because for me to be like motivated to continually working ideas, like I think they need to move me. Yeah. In some way, like every single time, and I'm listening to these songs on loop for like months. You know what I mean? So I think it just comes from that. Like that's why mm-hmm. how it's been pushed into that space. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not like a. It's not a very like conscious thing. Like I yeah. think the best shit I've made has just been like quite effortless and spontaneous and just like based on instinct. Exactly. And well, touch on it as well because my mind's racing. <laughs> um, it comes across in the live shows, well, obviously, because the live show ebbs and flows. Like there's the big doof moments, mm. but then at the same time, there's the big ambient moments and the big like just like zzz, like just a fucking subline just blowing in your ear. Yeah, yeah. And. But then there's also like the lights element and the dancing element and then the live show element as well. But it's beyond just the music. Like what other creative forms do you indulge in? Like where else, where does the, like it's obviously not just, oh, a musician. Like it's obviously other shit you're passionate about. So where does that come from? Um, what sort of stuff have you been doing? Like film, lights, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like I think a new thing is like writing to picture. Like that's, that's, that's pretty new to me. Um, a lot, of, I don't know, a lot of the inspiration, to be honest, comes, like, a lot of it is just music, and a lot of it comes from, like, I'll, I've got a, a bit of gear now, and it was, a lot of it will just come from just experimenting and trying to just make some shit I haven't heard before, and then eventually it'll be like, oh, okay, this could make sense here or here. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, it mainly is just based around writing, writing music but I'm never I'm never I'm not going in every time being like I'm gonna make a song today yeah. like if I'm not feeling it then I'll just make some like weird synth patch or yeah. just make like some drum loops like just build up the folder that I've got going or like yeah. I got like a folder of ambience and it's all like in key and shit yeah. so yeah just like experimenting like with sounds and then eventually I'll, you know I'll be working on something and be like oh that's right I, I was fucking around with that loop and then yeah. I'll fit here you know what I mean like a lot of it's just mix and matching yeah. like Risen was like three ideas that ended up just on the one one track. It's crazy. Mm. And and we, we've said it like four times already today, just like spontaneous creativity and just like natural progressions yeah. in any art form is how it comes off the most pure. So if you've got totally. shit coming in from everywhere, then that's the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, you haven't really stopped touring in a while. Well, it's been pretty quiet this year. Oh, like, you did. What, oh, Europe the, and Europe, Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, Europe and America. But well, my US visa got denied, so... I missed like my full US yeah. tour. All the festivals that run. Yeah. Oh no, it was a full Rufus US tour. Oh, true. Yeah. Yeah, and so my visa got denied for no reason, and uh, so I missed that. But yeah, yeah, it has been. I don't know. To, this year's felt quiet for me. I suppose I probably feel it the most because I'm I'm in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2017, 2018 were pretty like full on, and I and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I suppose like basically like, getting back to your last question, like I do get so inspired by playing live like especially to be able to hear these ideas that are kind of just you know pretty half-baked mm. and then as soon as, like as soon as you see it in that live context it yeah. just makes so much sense yeah. in my head that's why i agree as well because the the live and we've spoken about it heaps for, for a reason like the live aspect of the last project is like equally as important as the sitting in your room listening to the tunes as well because yeah it's the it's the full experience totally Whereas if you're just like, you're getting one dimension of the experience when you're listening to it at home, but there's like, it's the 360, like, yeah. this is what the last K is. And that's why I think it's so important to have a live set in that role. Well, that's why, that's why I loved 
2017 when I was playing all these songs. Like I played so many shows and there was probably people that had saw me, you know, three times. And after a while they're slowly picking up. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this track, you know what yeah. I mean? So like having, I know from my personal experience, the songs that became really like sentimental to me were songs that I saw in a live environment. And mm-hmm. then when you go back to the studio version, yeah. all you can think about is that moment, you know, when you first saw it. Like a big one, memorable one for me was um, John Hopkins' Laneway 2015 when he played Open Eye Signal. Like everyone took their shoe off and like started raining. <laughs> And I was like into him before that, but after I saw it live, I yeah. just like absolutely rinsed that immunity album. And all it did was just took me straight back to that. Yeah. So I suppose that's what I loved about 2017. I was playing all these unreleased ideas, and then when they finally came out, it, took, it must have taken people back into, yeah. that, into that live context. Exactly. Yeah. We touched on it. What are other iconic live music moments for you from, a, from the fan perspective? Um, well, yeah, a funny one is that. So 2015, Laneway was, was a. Um, was a pretty like, special day. It was a, it was a big <laughs> one, yeah. Because well, I went to, I went to um, Brisbane because I grew up in like Tweed Head. Went to the Brisbane one with all my crew. Had a big one, like yeah. well in it. We're in the John Hopkins mosh pit. Me and two of my mates, fucking absolutely loving it. I was like, let's go, let's go to Melbourne next weekend. Fuck it. So we're like there. <laughs> we walked outside the tent, like bought tickets, holy four shit, flights to go to like Melbourne the yeah. next weekend because that was the year. It was like John Hopkins, CK. Caribou, Flying Lotus, just like stacked. Yeah, ridiculous. So yeah, that that I look back on that very fondly, and I feel like that was a pretty um, major moment when I was like, oh, this this is exactly what I want to do. Because up until that point, I was writing music, but I didn't really know where. Like I was making a lot of stuff that was more like beatsy kind of like halftime. Like I was I was like obsessed with the Shlomo Duck yeah. record. And then I suppose after I went that day and then like saw the Caribou show and obviously the John Hopkins show, I was like, okay, this is it. This is it. Yeah, that's huge. Um, but yeah. Because so I agree. Into, like when I'm having like, I'm fucking off music or when I'm sick of it, like yeah. I'll just go to a show and I'm like, ah, oh, this, is, this, is, this is why we do it. Like <laughs> we're just trying to tell stories and like the live music show is like the, the live music form is the best way to tell the music story, I think. Yeah, totally. And it just re-inspires everything. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm trying to think about the ones like recently. Like, from a light show perspective, um, I loved that, like, the Yeezus tour, mm-hmm. which I think that was, like, 2014. Yeah. So, I took a lot of inspiration from that, from a, from a lighting perspective. And also, Yeezus, the album, I love so much. So, yeah, that, that was a big one. You talk about a lot of music that's sort of outside the realm of your peers or, like, the people that would associate you with. So, do you seek a lot of inspiration from... Yeah. Like genres and stuff outside of electronic or dual yeah well <clears throat> I don't listen to club music that much to be honest like as, when I when I was DJing obviously I was because mm. I was just like yeah, the sound st- top of it, yeah. just stacking my USBs but I don't know yeah I feel like at the start it was I was listening to a lot of club stuff and then I just found it was just like kind of leaking to what I was doing mm-hmm. and I suppose I, get, I, get, I definitely get more motivated and like inspired by shit that is outside of what I'm doing mm-hmm. and then I can take you know ideas from there and then bring it back, back into what into I'm that, doing into this yeah. world yeah it's like a big one I think like what had a big effect on the project was when I was working full time I was I used to drive so much so I was just like listening to so many records yeah. so like big records from then like I've touched on a few already but other ones like Nicholas Jar stuff just like stuff with just fucking insane production yeah. it just inspires me so much and then eventually it comes back in to what I'm doing yeah. yeah I think if I listen to too much stuff within what I'm doing then it's just ends like, up accidentally yeah yeah like you're leaking in or you just start thinking like oh you know this works here so you know I don't know I find it less less uh, raw yeah to like myself yeah it's yeah it's so true and the, the car space is such an interesting space to listen to music yeah, as well it changes I don't have a car anymore it changes everything because yeah. like it's such a unique like solo it's almost, it's like the same as listening to music in the shower I reckon because <laughs> yeah, you're just yeah. like you're just because so you're, in tune you're actually in it you yeah. know what I mean like if you're sitting down on the couch listening to music I get restless now like, yeah. you know, but if you're doing something you're kind of like passively listening but you're just, com- yeah. you're, just <laughs> you're just like completely yeah. in it yeah I think it's the best way to consume music but yeah, I live in Melbourne now and I don't have a car, so I just try and like I just walk around and listen to shit now. Try and replicate that that <laughs> time in twenty fifteen. Get on a bus and just do loops. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you listening to now? What's on the Willie K iPod? Um, what have I been listening to? This I've been listening to um 
Mount Kimby recorded that is their track. He looks so certain. I'm not so sure. Like a warp live recording mm-hmm. thing that came out recently. They've been smashing that. And also another song that I've been pumping, both by Heady One. Yeah. Like, and also, and also the new Floating Points record. Nuts. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah, those are the first three that come to mind that I've been smashing. Gun, because we've got a playlist, so I always put in tracks that we talk about. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, definitely that was super the, floating, the Floating Points record. Um, well, yeah, and then I heard his remix that he did of Hedy Mumble Skepta. Yeah, and then I that, that I track is that fucking so good. Yeah, so good man. Um, and then I found the, like the Hedy One album, and I was like, yeah, into it. Yeah, because sometimes electronic remixes of rap songs can be like sound a bit forced. Yeah, but that sounds like dude. The, that that could have been the original. Yeah, yeah that should have been the original. Like the original sounds like a remix. Yeah. Reckon. But yeah, that's fucking the new floating plane stuff's crazy. Like just yeah, yeah, super into it. And that remix is just like so minimal. It just yeah. fucking it just does so much. Yeah, so nice. What is yeah. what is Willaris K doing his off time? What are your interests personally? Um, Who are you as a person? Well, I suppose, like, to be honest, a lot of it when I'm home is just, like, surrounded around music. Yeah. But growing up, I, like, surfed a lot. Um, but, like, I'm, I live in Collingwood now and I don't have a car. <laughs> so it's just, like, that is Going one nowhere. Thing. Yeah, that's one thing that's lacking a lot. But, yeah, <clears throat> I suppose because I'm away a lot, like, when I'm home, I like to just fucking hang out with my mates, play basketball here and there surfing honestly most of the shit I do is just things that are so I can pull myself out of making music so I yeah. can like get refreshed to, to dive back in but yeah. yeah when I'm home it's pretty much surrounded around like how can I get the best out of today and like I don't know just like about finding what works for me like I, I have to get outside in the morning and like mm. exercise or something because otherwise I don't know it's just the like, brain doesn't I'm the same the brain doesn't work it doesn't click in gear, no but yeah yeah, I suppose, yeah, going, I, I, like, surfing and growing, growing up next to the beach was, like, a pretty, pretty major one yeah. for me, yeah. It's got, move to Melbourne? Yeah. How's, what's Melbourne like, motivation-wise? Where were you before it? Were you uh, in Sydney? Did you, no, I was did, in, did so, you ever? No, I was, I've never lived in Sydney, I was in Tweed, oh, and then yeah. I was living at, so, I was able to buy a house through, just through the electrical job a few years ago, and that was the house that I moved into, and I lived there with my ex-girlfriend and one of my mates, Geordie. And, <clears throat> like, we kind of went our separate ways and then I, I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now? Most of my mates moved to Melbourne. So I moved down, like, last October. And since I've been there, I've been in, like, three separate houses. Um, but, yeah, so now I'm on, like, well, I'm in Collingwood, like, right in the thick of it. And yeah. I am finding it to be somewhat claustrophobic. Like, yeah. not, after coming from... Where I grew up was on like two acres, exactly. like out there, like a tweed, like just no neighbours. Yeah. And now I'm just like right in the thick of it. So yeah, I suppose getting back to the last thing, I just need to make sure I get outside and yeah. just like keep a fucking fresh mind because it's easy to just get bogged down and yeah. like, I don't know, just, just, just lose yourself in it as well. Yeah. Because like if you don't have those moments where you take a step back, mm. you lose perspective of like what the fuck is going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And like totally. what's real and yeah. what's not. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, no, I love it. It's good. Like, all my mates live there. Um, it's kind of nice. I think I don't like being in one spot for too long. Like, mm. that's why after the US visa thing got denied, I don't know, when you, every part of you is getting ready to go over to America yeah. and play fucking 5,000 people a night with Rufus, and then out of nowhere, you just get your visa knocked back. It's just like, that kind of sent me into a bit yeah. of a hole for a couple of months. And I was just like, no, I didn't want to make music. I didn't really want to do anything. Yeah. Um, so I think what's key is just like not being in one spot for too long. Yeah. So that's why I, I don't know. I like to like go down the coast or go home, see my family, or like come to Sydney and write. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think keeping it keeping it fresh is the key because otherwise I just get bogged down and unmotivated. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, that's sick. It's good because a lot of people, a lot of DJs don't talk about that. Like a lot of that side of the scene isn't shone light on how how like big tool schedules. Mm. A lot of shows get cancelled that people don't even know about. Yeah. And, like, how tough it is on an artist to be... And then to go back and pour their heart and emotion Dude, back uh, into yeah. tracks. Like, it's so unlooked upon from the fan point of view. 100%. I have so much respect for the DJs that are playing every weekend. I like, yeah. genuinely couldn't do it. Like, it takes me a few days to really mm. re- recover mentally and be able to, like, dive back into it. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad the project's more of, like, a... 
a live project where yeah. I do a headline tour and do festivals and stuff like that rather than playing clubs yeah. every weekend because I would get burnt out and music probably starts sounding shit yeah yeah well are these so this summer last sort of run of shows mm. with the old tunes I assume nah I'm like I'm, I'm running all the new, new shit. shit yeah that's what I'm, that's what I, that's what I love so much yeah. about 2017 because I was just playing all this unreleased yeah. stuff and I haven't really had the opportunity until now because the last two are like last New Year's when it was Lost Paradise and Gunner mm. Valley that was like kind of the first tour yeah. where Alchemy you know it was out everyone knew it so that was built around it was yeah. like the Alchemy show kind yeah. of thing but yeah now I'm going I'm going in the deep end with all, yeah. all the new stuff like obviously I'll play some stuff from Alchemy but yeah, I'm well, just excited to like the, whole, the show's just got a whole revamp yeah that's super exciting man but yeah I can't it's exciting for the fan as well yeah so get down to Output Festival man oh yeah yeah okay. I've got oh, I wish I could I just can't make it but yeah, I oh, fucking wish Jensen as well. That lineup's so good. Oh man, yeah, no, I'm very excited. It's gonna be good. Yeah, and Wollongong as well. Yeah, that's the same night, isn't it? Yeah, so I think I play live and then I drive down to Wollongong and DJ. What do you think that DJ set's gonna sound? Um, no, like a lot of it. I haven't listened to lately. I suppose like a lot of it's like testing, testing, Just, testing my things yeah. amongst like um, things that kind of fit I suppose I don't know I haven't really DJed for a while that's what I mean that's so what I'm, gonna have to, yeah. I'm gonna have to figure <laughs> that have out to think about that <laughs> it's in two weeks so you've got plenty of time yeah what else on the agenda for the rest of the year um, shows wise or yeah so I've got um, I'm playing Output and then I'm playing in Hobart um, with Rufus and then I'm playing in Adelaide with Rufus and Presets and Lastlings and then um, Perth for Origin mm-hmm and then I suppose like yeah and then the next the next single will be coming out in January first one with the vocal so it's wow. yeah I'm pretty excited that's exciting as but it, yeah it's not it's not it's probably not what people are going to expect that's the be- that's the beauty of it though mm. and that'll that's why it'll stick probably more than something something that people would expect yeah then, yeah it's insane but I'm all of that yeah I just want just blindsight I don't want to I don't want to put it into into a box you know Exactly. And there's some standard questions I ask every guest. Mm-hmm. What's the goat boiler room that you've seen? Oh, man. <laughs> or oh. goats? Like, what's up there? What, what, what reflects highly? Um, honestly, I'm not even that well around it. Um, I mean, it's hard to go past the shit that I just personally love, you know? Like, yeah, I just that's the go, point, though. I can't go past, like, the John Hopkins shit. Yeah. And he's just running fucking, like, four chaos pads. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm honestly not that in tune with boiler rooms, hey? Do you like watching DJ sets? Not really. Well, like, I don't not like it, but I just, I like, I you just know, don't you know, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't really watch DJ sets in my spare time, no. When, <laughs> I, when, I, was, when I was DJing, I would obviously yeah. be like... Let's go find some songs. Yeah, you know what I mean? the boiler rooms are the, like the biggest gems. Oh yeah, so who's hot spot? Yeah, um, I only watch. I see like um, one that's going around a lot, like the Honey DJ on one. It's tripping yeah. down some nuts. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I, haven't, I haven't gone that deep on the on the boiler room videos. Gun. Yeah. Parry talks. Willie K. Yes. If you've tuned in for this long. You're a How fucking sick cunt. Forty-five. Oh, true. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> no, it goes fast, man. Yeah. Yep, publicist was like 45 minutes strict. Anything over that will cut out. So, and I'm joking. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to keep going. What else is on the chest? Let's do it. What else um, on your chest? What should we talk about? Do you like any sports? Yeah, well, I um, I used I played AFL growing up for like 12 years. Wow. So that was uh. Could that have been a thing? I was hoping so, but I was shit. No, <laughs> I was really, I was so short and so slow up until, I don't know. I was like the shortest in the class and then I don't know I grew when I turned 19 or something but um oh sports well the 5 o'clock was used on the Champions yeah. League yeah oh yeah thing. that so was that, actually that, that, that yeah that's something to talk about I suppose that's so surreal like because I'd I'd watched that I swear I'd watched it without knowing and then I was like holy shit this is why that song's so familiar mm. and it's crazy that a song from that world is appearing in like a dude it, I was like this happen at any song in the whole world but yeah and I didn't know the thing was like when I shared that I'd like I woke up in the morning and usually what happens is like my man wakes up earlier and I just woke up 
And that day was specifically like, I kind of had a shit day the day before. I was just like feeling not motivated. Mm-hmm. Like probably because I had a huge night like last Friday and I was just like, oh, yeah. fucking girl again yeah. type shit. And then I woke up on Tuesday morning and I just had this message in my, in my inbox. It was like, Champions League, five o'clock. And it's just a weird coincidence because yeah. my two housemates live with like two yeah. of my good mates from school and they're like diehard yeah. soccer like. And like I'm looking, I genuinely thought it was like someone made a montage or something yeah. like on YouTube, like soccer highlights and chucked five o'clock on the knee. And I was like, the fly, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, this is BT Sports, like the pay TV in the UK. Yeah. They're using five o'clock as like their promo for the Champions League. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah. so surreal. Yeah, it was, it was weird, unexpected. But yeah, it's funny how the world works because the day before that, I was just like, feeling like, yeah, yeah it's just like feeling like I don't know I really struggled to recover from having a big night and then yeah. getting back into creative mode so like it was the boost it was yeah. a necessary boost that day like big nights what's the poison of choice out beer wise oh beer wise what's your first beer my first beer um I love the mountain goat steam ale if I'm if I've got a selection yeah like, <laughs> I, I love that on tap but then usually for my shows I have like beers and then gin tonics <laughs> Actually, no, I've been getting around, trying to get away from tonic because it's a bit sweet. But gin, yeah. gin and sodas, what I'm hitting at the moment. Because I don't know, I like I love parallels and stuff, but the the headaches are not intense. The headaches like, aren't that aren't fun. So just start yeah. with a Carlton or a VB. Yeah, just and see where the night takes you, mate. Just straight up and down. Yeah, so noisy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Also, I'll, I'll get around. Like, grew up in close to Queensland, so I'll get around to four X. Are you a Queenslander or a New, a New South Welshman? Honestly, New South Wales, but like, I'm not going to sit here and hand in my heart. I'm diehard New South Wales. Yeah. I don't really care that much. I'm more <laughs> come from, like, I'm diehard Richmond fan. Exactly. NFL, yeah. So like, yeah. But yeah, New South Wales. I grew up in New South Wales. And yeah. I, you know, went to school there. How does a boy from Tweed get into AFL so deeply? Well, I grew up, I was born in um, Melbourne and my parents uh... both grew up in Victoria like in Brunswick like yeah, no choice, live, mate. Live yeah. yeah so they lived there until I lived there until probably like seven or something and then we moved down well, we moved down to Torquay like on the south coast yeah um, and then we left there when I was about seven and then we're gonna go around Australia like in a caravan I was homeschooled for a year and then we just got to like Burley and mm-hmm. stopped and then hadn't, didn't go back <laughs> didn't move yeah yeah so definitely it just came from that which wasn't like the most popular sport at Tweed heads, no. like I'm in the rugby league yeah. heartland, like, <laughs> like hardcore rugby league. Like, yeah, proper. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Mm. Nice one, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. That Appreciate it heaps. Well, that was K. Parry talks. If I end up at Output Fest, yeah, and you quote this interview to me, I'll double park you. <laughs> so if you find me and you quote this interview. I will get you double parked. Okay. Done. Look it in. Well, that's okay. Thanks for coming on, brother. Pleasure. Laugh.